Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. Well, some say he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host, David Hackett. Hi everyone, another journey. In today's journey, we join in Dr. Alison Plout, who has been studying and applying Marie, and this is me trying to pronounce it, so apologies if I pronounce it wrong. Marishi Maish Yoga's principles for the past 25 years. At the age of 24, Marisha honored uh, with the title of Raj Rajisaria for her research on consciousness in relation to unfolding a full human potential. I won't say any more. It's her journey, not my journey. So we welcome Alison to the journey. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Everyone has a journey. And my way of breaking the ice is that everyone begins their journey. And I make the joke, yeah, we was born. That's the earliest memory. But what was your earliest memory that started your journey to where you are now? That's an interesting question. I've actually never thought about what would be specifically the earliest memory that that ignited this particular journey. It may have been even before I remember. I've actually been, I was born into a family where my parents were teachers of transcendental meditation and into a community where everyone was practicing the technique. And so from a very young age, I was exposed to Vedic principles and ideas like happiness comes from within and enjoy greater efficiency to accomplish more and do less and accomplish more. So these very, very simple ideas I had from the earliest age. I talk in my book about how I realized when I was very young on Christmas mornings that whatever the present was, when it was wrapped up, it could be anything, all possibilities. You could have eternal happiness in a box. But once you, unop- once you opened it, it was something. And maybe it was something wonderful, but it was still something that sooner or later was no longer going to interest me. Mm. And so it was not going to give me lasting happiness. And I think that was another aha moment over many Christmases, not a single one, where I started to realize that if I wanted to have permanent happiness, I couldn't look in stuff or in outer accomplishments. Mm. And I always learn about Christmas as well because you say about opening presents up it's like a box of delights or whatever because you don't know what's inside and when you do open it you are delighted to see that yeah exactly exactly and there's some delight it's oh it's something special but I found even even if it was exactly what I'd wanted I suddenly realized that it didn't give me the inner feeling I was searching for Hmm. I understand that totally (laughs) Um, so as you grew older, obviously you started studying and applying yoga principles, and it says for the last 25 years, but at the age of 24, so that was a young age. Yes. And how was that when you was learning all this at a young age? 
Yes, I started, well, as I said, from the time I was born, I was exposed to these principles. But when it was when I was 14, I started seriously studying the principles. And I realized that it was something that I really wanted to dedicate my life to that I wanted to find a easy path to inner happiness and a way to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. So it did start at a very young age, I feel like, in many ways, every teenager is seeking. We're, it's a time in life when we're trying to find our place in the world. And the particular outlet I chose was how can I find internal happiness or enlightenment? Yeah, and I like that because it go, it goes completely opposite of, and I'm not being respect, disrespectful in any way, but it goes against what most teenagers of today want. Because yeah. most of today, teenagers today want is totally the opposite of what you wanted, what I wanted. Yeah, it can be. Although in some ways, I think the way I expressed it was totally different. But basically, what they're searching for also is some sense of inner contentment, inner peace, a sense of who they are and where they belong in the world. And it was the exact same thing I was looking for. It's just we mm. chose different ways to look, about, yeah. look for it. And it's about you sought your validation in a way that you felt appropriate for you because that's, that's, what, I, that's what I call it, it's a validation. Mm-hmm. And every mm-hmm. teenager validates themselves. Yes, you are a kid, a child, but when you become a teenager, you become an independent. You want to stand for your validation on the world because you want to make that impact. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the impact I saw I could make in the world was if I can realize enlightenment, if I can realize my own highest potential and show other people how to do that, it's like the most idealistic version of a teenager. I can make a better world. I can help in creating world peace. Yeah. So we got into your, after 24, It's uh, you was honored, like I said, uh, for your research of consciousness in relation to unfolding of all human potential. Now, that varies from person to person, and I've seen that in the many interviews I've done as well. But how was it, um, you know, in your words, how was unfolding full human potential for you? (laughs) I think I'm still unfolding the full human potential. That's the wonderful thing about having a human life, is we continue to evolve and we continue to unfold more and more. So Mm. I wouldn't say that I reached the pinnacle at 24 and that was it. That was a very special moment in my life because I was at the time doing the advanced programs of the Transcendental Meditation Technique and having very deep experiences of consciousness and the unity of life. I was directly experiencing how we think of ourselves as separate, we think of our world as being so big and so important, but really we're all one. And not only are we all one, but this whole world is a tiny, tiny portion of this vast universe that we live in. And that whole vast universe is within each of us. So that was what I started to experience and understand and unfold with the guidance of my spiritual teacher, my master, His Holiness Maharshi Mahesh Yogi. And it was for that research on consciousness and the idea that we can give anyone this experience easily and experiencing it, not only will they find inner happiness and inner peace, but it'll have a positive effect on the whole society. Hmm. So that was, you know, it's something that's so simple and at the same time revolutionary in its implications for the world. And how do you feel it has been for you in recent times with how life has been? I know we had the pandemic 
globally and this is how I started my podcast but we went touch upon it but how was it for you to help for others during that time? Yes I mean the pandemic was an extremely challenging time for many people. I was fortunate I did not as much as I would have liked to I wasn't on the internet doing a podcast or something like that in retrospect I should have been but what I was fortunate to do is I oversee a women's self-development group in New Zealand and the particular group of women that was there had arrived in November of 2019 so just a few months before the pandemic started and they ended up staying most of them for over two years so they continued through the pandemic and within that we had the opportunity to have rich knowledge courses along with self-development programs transcendental meditation and its advanced programs and that was something very special to create for that relatively small group of people Hmm. so my general question is how do you think people's behavior towards this practice is do you think people understand it or do they still question why I'm sorry, why what? Why, why, and this is an example, why do you do it? Because I know there is doubters in the world. Oh, of course. The thing is, (laughs) I grew up at a time when meditation was weird. And I grew up in Iowa in the US, where at the time we were a small community where everyone was practicing TM, but we were part of a larger community where they would say we were worshiping the devil or we got teased mercilessly. I remember coming home crying from softball games because my teammates had been teasing me. So I grew up at a time when meditation was not mainstream, when yoga was not widely accepted, when it was still blocked from public schools in the US because they thought it was religious. And so for me, the fact that meditation has become so mainstream and that so many more people are adopting yoga and Vedic technologies into their lives, to me, I see that as huge progress. I don't see it as, oh, there's detractors or people who don't believe. I see it as pretty much everyone is a detractor or someone who didn't believe 30 years ago. And now so much of the world, there's a yoga studio on every corner. There's an international yoga day coming up on June 21st. There's so many more people adopting technologies of meditation, yoga, or Vedic technologies to improve their lives. So of course there's people out there who don't believe or think it's bad, but that doesn't change what I'm doing or why I think it creates a positive effect on the world. And there's so many people that it can benefit and who millions of people now who practice transcendental meditation specifically and enjoy the benefit in their daily lives. Yeah. Over 800 scientific research days, there's so much momentum that to me, I don't see it as there's detractors. I see it as it's just a snowball that's building. Yeah, and I like that effect because, you know, like I said, in recent years, I feel like there is a more push for it, more so, and I like that. Absolutely. So you said about writing a book. That was yes. A, that was a challenge as well, I reckon, because obviously you've got to put everything that you've learned into words, and that takes time. But, you know, I've written books and poems, so I understand. But the fact is, you wrote something, and that was your defining moment for you, I believe, because you wrote something that people can read and relate to when they practice what you wrote about. Yes, yes. I wrote the book with the idea, my target audience was any seeker of something more. Because when I was young and idealistic, I believed that a path to enlightenment was a path to perfection, which means everything in life is perfect. 
And I'm quite a bit older now and I've that hasn't been my experience. There have been ups and downs, great ups and great downs. Life is a winding, tumultuous path in all different directions. And so I wrote the book as if speaking to another spiritual seeker. I say in the book as a helping hand to you wherever you are on the path, because the idea of pursuing perfection rarely means that you get perfection immediately. In the meantime, you get all kinds of other experiences which can help you evolve. But these lessons I encapsulate are the most important lessons I've learned from Maharshi, either directly from something he said or from practicing his technologies and working with him on projects. And at the same time, as I was writing it, I realized that many, many wise enlightened seers throughout time have expressed the same principles, have expressed the same kernels of truth. And I say that it's because truth, when it echoes through the corridors of time, it can be spoken in many, many, many voices, but it's the same truth. And so Lao Che was one particular that I actually found towards the end of writing the book. And he said and encapsulated almost exactly the same ideas that I'd said in many chapters of the book. So I felt like it was a kindred spirit of many hundreds of years apart. But that is the idea of what I was doing with the book as I thought, I'm constantly evolving, everyone is, but up until this moment, I've gained a lot of knowledge and I think I can express it in a way that is imminently practical to people of the world. And I was inspired by, you know, there's so many self-help books out there and many of them have two sort of main messages. One, that you're already enough as you are in this moment. And the other is you can be anything you want to be. You can achieve anything you want to achieve. And I thought, why don't I take those messages and make them practical, use and explain what I've learned from Maharshi through, about transcendental meditation and its applications and Vedic principles that make life easier on the day-to-day -day level so that, yes, you can experience that you are enough, not just that you intellectually know it. And at the same time, it opens the doors for all possibilities of accomplishing whatever you desire. Yeah, and I'd like that message because obviously a message like that brings hope to people reading and brings that positive. Now, you spoke about the journey about how you've had your ups and downs. That is a part of a journey because you can't just have one complete level up or one level down. You've got to have those ups and downs to experience. Absolutely. And an analogy, something I discovered later, it's something Maharshi says, and it's an analogy I describe in the book. Maharshi says that no two people are in the exact same state of consciousness at the exact same time. That means that each of us will see the world from our own perspective. A very sort of simple analogy would be, suppose I'm wearing red glasses and you're wearing blue glasses. To you, the world will look blue. To me, the world will look red. Neither of us is wrong because our perception is different. Our level of consciousness is different. And so the analogy I give in the book is suppose there's a mountain range full of paths big enough for everyone in the world to be on their own path or their own place in the path. The people at the top of the mountains will be saying, the world looks this way, this is how it is. The people at the bottom of the mountains will be saying, absolutely not, it's completely different. They're all right from their perspective. And that's the beauty of a path of evolution is even how we see the world and how we understand the world changes over time. Mm. And 
your book, I assume, is on most books sites where you can get your books from? Yes, it's currently for pre-sale on Amazon, and I will have to double check if it's back up on Barnes & Noble and all the other places. The publication date has been delayed until September 27th. So it's a long wait for the pre-sale, but you can also go to my website, bemorehappy.com, and you can sign up to pre-order the book. You can also sign up for courses or coaching or just join the mailing list and stay in touch. Okay. And finally, ultimately, the um, future is positive. But what message would you say to people watching or listening to this now? I would say take one step today to do something greater for yourself whatever you think the greatest possibility you have in this life you have so much more it won't happen overnight but step by step you can achieve anything you desire and of course if you want to experience greater inner peace and greater happiness to help you accomplish that learn transcendental meditation and then please join me. There's some sample exercises even actually already up on the blog on the website, bemorehappy.com. Go and try those sample exercises and see how it starts to improve your life. Alison, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. Thank you very much for having me, David, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.